remember to bring their Bible today. Good. Grab your Bible. This is my go-to Bible. I'm a priest, so obviously I have many Bibles. But this is my go-to. So where did your Bible come from? Was it a gift? Did you buy it for yourself? What was the reason for it? If it was a gift, was there a particular occasion that somebody gifted you with it? Why did they think a Bible was important for you to have on that occasion? Who was that person and what were they trying to say to you by the gift of a Bible? Or if you bought it for yourself, what was the reason behind you purchasing a Bible or that Bible on that day? What drew you to it? What made you want to purchase one in that way in that time? And then, with your Bible, how do you use it? If we're honest, some, we have a temptation of making it a nice ornament on our shelf. I know that was my parents' Bible. They got it on their wedding day, and it was a beautiful white Bible that stayed on the, the ledge in the living room, and we saw it all the time, and it had pretty gold pages, and the gold never went away because we never opened it. How do you use your Bible? Because whether it was gifted to you, or whether you bought it for yourself, there was a purpose behind it. It was supposed to say something to you. It was supposed to communicate something to you. But this Bible, this is your Bible. But this is the Bible. And so why is this so important for us? It's pretty easy. The beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the Word was made flesh. The Word is so central to our Christian understanding of God. And I actually like the French translation of that Greek word even better. In English, we translate it as the Word. In French, it's translated as the verb. And why I like it better is because it sounds even more active than just the Word. The Word, like the Word on a page, can seem kind of dead. Right? It doesn't do anything on the page. But the, word, the verb made flesh insinuates action. It's speaking. A verb is active. As Christians, Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. And the Bible is the testimony to that revelation of God in the Word made flesh. See, sometimes we have this idea of God as the watchmaker, right? God created the world, he set everything in motion, and basically all that we can get from God is learn how to tell time, right? It does the same thing over and over again, and we just try to figure out what time means, and that's about the extent that we can understand God. No. God is Father. And God, as Father, wants to communicate to us, his children, as a father. This is one of the primary ways that God communicates with us. 
And here's a very old saying that is a little bit jarring if you've never heard it before. Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. If we do not know Scripture, we do not know Jesus. And if we do not know Jesus, we do not know God. That's why this is important. Because this is God communicating to us and all through Advent and since then, been talking about how we are in relationship with God. Well, what is the one of the most significant things that break down in broken relationships? Communication. If communication breaks down in a relationship, so does the relationship. And so if we are not communicating with God, then how will that relationship with God grow in our life? And for us as Catholics, God communicates to us in two primary ways, in word and in sacrament. That's why this is so significant. That's why your Bible is so significant, because it's God speaking to you, a father to his son, a father to his daughter. So, sometimes this very large, this very old book can seem very daunting, to even crack the pages and where to start. So today's not going to be how you do that, but if this is in fact God communicating to us, then here's three things about communication that are important in general, but I think are helpful in how we approach Scripture. So the first, understand how the other person that you're in relationship with actually communicates. Sometimes we just assume words are exchanged, therefore everybody should understand. We all speak English, and so we should just understand English. But have you ever heard of the five love languages before? I'm not going to go into them, but here's what they are. Words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And generally speaking, each one of us gravitates to one of those five as a way of how I express my love to others and how I best receive love from others. And so you can imagine if physical touch was my primary way of showing love and of receiving love, if somebody didn't like to be hugged, then I wouldn't know how to love them because that's my best way of knowing how to love them. And if I had somebody that was trying to love me and they did everything for me, they cooked me meals and they cleaned and they did all this stuff, but they never stopped to just sit beside me, probably would still feel a little bit like they don't love me. Because the way that we communicate is different. And we can't just presume because we've spoken that it's understood. And so, how much time have we invested in learning how God communicates to us? How long have we invested in learning God's language of love? Because for us as Christians, God is love. But to presume that we understand how love is communicated as human, broken human beings, and God who is perfect love that we can understand how that love is communicated, we need to learn 
how God communicates his love to us. And that can be challenging because these stories were written in a particular cultural context. God spoke through particular people in history, and that's not our history anymore. We live in a different place and in a different time. But the love is still the same. So with your own Bible and the way that you use it, how is God communicating his love? First, through their life stories. Coming to know the relationship between God and his people throughout history, that shows us the way that God communicates his love. But then, how does God communicate his love to you? Because it's a personal relationship as well. It's not just God and all of his people, it's God and you too. And every relationship is different in the way that that's expressed. And so the way that God speaks to you will be different than the way that he speaks to me. Because it's a relationship. So how do we invest in the way that we try to understand how God communicates? Second one, regularity and repetition. When you communicate with anybody that you love, you need to do it regularly, and you need to repeat yourself. There's one psychologist that I listen to on a fairly regular basis, and from his clinical practice and from his own personal marriage, his recommendation is that for a married couple, you should sit and talk for a minimum of 90 minutes a week. That means sitting with nothing else going on and just being able to talk about whatever, whether that's work or kids or anything to just sit and talk with each other, minimum 90 hours a week. Because that's needed to keep the communication between spouses. Right? That's, that's not talking as you're doing something. That's not talking while you're moving around and doing chores or being entertained by something. It's being together and communicating, regular. Then repetition. Anybody here who's a parent knows about repetition when it comes to communicating things to children. Right? Everyone says, how many times do I have to tell you? Well, what you're doing is you're repeating in a way to be understood. Just because you say to a child, it's time for you to do the dishes, they heard you. They understand the dishes need to be done. But have they understood that oh, mom actually expects me to do them like right now? And that maybe what I need to understand is that mom's request for me actually trumps whatever I feel like doing now. Because just because the words are spoken doesn't mean that it's understood. And so repetition with God communicating to us. So just because you've heard the stories a thousand times before, because you come to Mass every Sunday, doesn't mean there's something that you haven't yet understood that God is trying to say to you. Regularly, regularity and repetition, which means that for regularity, if 90 minutes a week is needed between a married couple, that means just hearing the Word of God on Sunday is not enough. It needs to be more prevalent in our life than just Sunday. Last one, openness 
and vulnerability. That we need openness and vulnerability when we are communicating with another. Right? What are major red flags in communication between two people? You did this. You don't care. You always do this. You always say that. You need to do this. Just stop talking because it's not going anywhere. That never helps. If it's been a while since you've been to marriage preparation, here's what they teach as a simple practical tool in communicating. When you are communicating with your spouse, start by I. I feel this. When this happens, when you say this, I feel this way. Because what are you doing? You're not posing a judgment on the other person, presuming their intentions, presuming their thoughts, but you're starting by the way that you have received it. And then you give the space for the other person to tell you back what they perceived in that situation. And you remain open to being challenged and corrected in whatever you experienced in that. Simple thing, sounds easy enough. It's not real easy to do. But if we just go to prayer and we just talk to God and we tell him everything that he's doing wrong or not doing enough of, where's the openness and the vulnerability on our side to receive back what he wants to speak? It needs to go both ways. And we can't impose on God our own preconceived ideas of who he is and of how he acts. We have to let him reveal to us who he is and how he loves and how he acts. And that's why we have the word of God. Because we don't know. I don't know. I've got six years of theology. It just makes me realize I know even less about how God loves and how God communicates. But there needs to be an openness and a vulnerability on our part to receive what God is going to correct in us. Because, as I tell everybody, when you're in an argument with your spouse, it's hard to know who's right and who's wrong in that situation. Because both of you are probably a little bit right and both a little bit wrong. Well, for me as a priest, when I'm having an argument with God, I'm always wrong. It's the same for all of us. How are we letting God correct what our false ideas of him are? Or our false understandings of how he is trying to be a part of our life? There needs to be that openness and vulnerability. Understand how God communicates. Do it with regularity and repetition and grow in that openness and vulnerability to how God is trying to communicate to you. Because your Bible, the cheesy way that it's described is, this is God's love letter to you. But it is the real word made flesh for you. If you want to know what God wants from you and for you in your life, here's where you start. Every man who is a priest has been touched by the Word of God. We need this to get over our own hump of ego to embrace priesthood. Every Christian discovers 
God in their life in his word and sacrament, but that's another homily. Open your Bibles. Start with the Gospels. You could do the Gospels for the rest of your life, and that would be enough. Because ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And you're here because you don't want to be ignorant of Him in your life. You want to know God. You want to know His love. And so learn how He wants to communicate that 